Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. Now, in our 16th season, with over 500 episodes in 17 countries, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. everybody this is sandra beck and i'm here with parenting expert sharon silver you can look her up at proactiveparenting.net and we're talking about single parent burnout because i've been a single parent for whatever 15 years now and it's been a long haul and every different age presents something different but one of the biggest things that i had challenges with is the almost zero relief there's no other parent to carry the load especially if your kids are not going back and forth you know when my kids were going back and forth i got a little break but more often than not the kids stayed with me 90 percent of the time and that that is really tough and it's hard to parent from fatigue and it's very hard to parent when you don't have backup and backup is best identified as my mom would say it just wait till your father gets home. Like that was enough to scare the pants off of all of us, you know, with my dad. And, you know, we laugh about that thing, but there is no wait till your parent gets home. And then the other thing is you are outnumbered if you have more than one child. So in my house, it was often two against one because it was the two kids against me. And when they're teenagers, that's kind of a force to be reckoned with. I agree. Thank you for having me on. Good yeah. to talk to you. Um, yeah, it is a force to be reckoned with. And that dynamic is doesn't matter if you're single or if you're married. So I've been married for 43 years. Um, and so I parented with my partner. Um, I definitely have a lot of friends who are single parents, you being one. Um, and yeah, the stress and the fatigue, both mentally and physically, is absolutely there. You got us in that regard. The work of parenting is enough to drive anybody underneath. And, sure. you know, I mean, that really is true. So really, I think what we're talking about here is we're talking about emotional exhaustion. Right. Regardless of what your circumstances are, because the first thing is you did the best you could. You made the choice you had to make for your survival and for your kids' survival. Right. So you win there and you're empowered. Um, but you're exhausted. Yeah. And that whole, like, you know, I try really hard, Sharon, to follow a lot of your principles. But there's some times where I'm like, I'm just, I'm done. Like, I'm yeah. burned out. I'm fried. You know, like you talk a lot about taking that, you know, taking the pause or, you know, having the patience to, you know, you've got an ornery teenager who's being so obnoxious and you're like, try again. Like, I'm like, try again, you know, and I have no patience left. And they're going to keep pushing, you know, they have, they can stay up till midnight and get up at six, you know, <laughs> I need my eight hours sleep. Yeah. If we're going to run a parenting battle marathon, you know, they're going to win. Yeah. And I think that really and truly what I want to empower parents is you have the right to say, I'm fried. You cross the line. I'm pissed now. So how do you want it? Calm or you want it like this now? You're going to back off or you're going to give me a minute? I think that's fair game. 
Well, you know, and I'm a big one of modeling, you know, because if you only have your parents to model after and maybe you recognize that their methods weren't the methods you would choose for your kids, I think, you know, that tone of voice like totally scared me first <laughs> to say that. I know I'm really good at it. Yeah, you are really good at it because I'm like, <laughs> no, like I'm 50 and it scared me. So, um, Sorry. but, but, you know, but I think it's one of those things to hear you say that. And the way you say it, if you're not a confrontational person, which I'm not, I would have to practice that. Okay, but so let me reframe it and say, you're human, practice your truth in whatever way it is for you. See, I use that voice because my kids knew there was a really long road till I till they crossed my line. And when they crossed that line, they knew that they had beaten me up to the point that I would use that voice. And there was no coming back from that. In fact, my children are full grown adults. One of them's married and they know that if I use that voice, they'll come and surround me and say, what do you need, mom? We can tell that you're stressed out. So it worked. It worked to show what my boundary was. I just happened. I, I can be rather mean. Um, I can't be mean with my words, but my tone is very clear. You can't miss it. I can't lie. That's my honest truth. Right. So I'm asking parents, tell your truth. Right. Like for me, I fall, like I start to cry. My face turns all red. I can't think I go blank. And it, you know, it's like kind of like a whole meltdown thing. Mm -hmm. And I can't, you know, like I, I just, I can't even function. And then they'll say, okay, you know, mom, what do you need? You know, like <laughs> mom need, or if they're really naughty, like the funny thing is they will come in and they'll be like, would you like a Mountain Dew? <laughs> you know, a Mountain Dew always makes everything better in my house. Yeah. Well, Dew. my my youngest would always come in and go, do you need a hug? Right. <laughs> well, yes, I do. Um, and sometimes I need a timeout. I've actually given myself a timeout because I've said things to my kids, you know, in the heat of things. And I'm like, you know what? This is not me. I'm not acting the way I want to act. I'm not, I'm not true to myself. I need a timeout. I'm going to my room. I'm going to come out a little bit later. Just I'm, I'm giving myself a timeout that was uncalled for. I think when I called my younger son an asshole right to his face and I don't normally even swear. Now he had it coming, but it also, I was becoming a parent, a person I didn't want to be. So yeah. Yeah, I think that let's let's think about the pandemic and what what we were faced with. We were faced with no escape from the children and our emotions were rolling out of our mouth. Yeah. So what parents were trying to do was and I posted something about this uh, a week or so ago. I said, when was the last time you told your children through clenched teeth? I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm not mad. Really, I'm not. Okay, it's a lie and your children know it. The reason they know it is because they've been watching your face right. and they've been gleaning what you feel and think by watching your face. They were infants. They know you better than you know yourself. So what if we instituted a really great mental health thing and said, let's tell the truth in this family. When you push me to the point where I get foggy, I'm calling and give it a name. I need a thought moment. I need an emotional break. I'm going to jail. What you don't want to do is keep excusing yourself from the situation because then it becomes mommy's problem and right. not I did this and that's why she's reacting that way. So you want to level the playing field and you want to be really honest and say, dude, I need a thought moment and this will continue in 15 minutes. Where will you be waiting for me? 
Now that, yeah, that answers it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we do, you know, that's the thing. Like I, I, I never knew how much I needed breaks from some of this stuff just to collect myself to know mm-hmm. what I wanted to say and we live in such an instant everything you know like there's instant coffee there's instant messaging like you know it's almost like you feel like you need to be able to respond like right in that moment mm-hmm. and you really don't they responding yeah I mean responding in the moment can also be No words right now. Just need to breathe. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's responding in the moment. Right. Um, being silent, which is my favorite tool. And I explain that over and over again in 10 No Yelling Methods. Silence is is expressing what you feel in the moment. Why am I being quiet? What do you think I'm going to say? Put the onus on the child. Even if you're triggered and overwhelmed, Ask your child this simple question. What do you think I'm going to say? Right. Because that basically puts the onus on them. You get to come back to center, breathe, gather your thoughts, and then you can respond based on what they say. But if you're doing all the work and you're doing all the thinking and you're trying to be creative, that's another way that you're going to burn yourself out. I'm just taking notes because, you know, when we do these shows, it's like I, I I actually listen to these sometimes two or three times. And I, you know, because you need, you know, some of these concepts are foreign to the way we were raised, you know, you know, put up, shut up, go to your room, you know, you have no opinion, you have no thought. And then, you know, kind of that perfect parenting paradigm where it's like, I'm always right, you're always wrong. Right. You know, those are a lot of the ways we were raised because that was that was the time that was the generation and to dialogue like this, you know, when you were saying that thing about like what I wrote down is what do you think I should do then stay silent. Don't do all the thinking for the situation like what what would happen I, I don't know I would love to try that with my kids next time what would happen if I asked them what do you think I should do. Now, what do you think you should do? What do you think I'm going to do? What do you think I'm going to say? Because you want them to draw from their own unconscious what their expectation is. And immediately that draws the line of, I stepped over the line, mom. I'm really sorry. Right. Okay. So it, it, it's it's more about, there's a line that somebody told, one of my educators told me, it said, you're already done with third grade. It's time for your child to answer those questions. So you have the answers. Ask the child the questions. And that's where you're going to find this rich, fertile ground of, okay, that's not quite how I said it. That's not quite what I meant. Let me fix this. Let me fix that. Now let's try it again. And always follow it up with, please do that again. Please say that to me again. We want to bring it through the moment and say, instead of go to your room, don't you dare talk to me. Say, what do you think I'm going to say about what you said? How about you try again in a way that my ears can hear it? And so the frustration you're feeling is underscoring. And that's fair game. You're frustrated. I'm saying tell the truth. Right. I'm not saying that you have to hide it. but And I'm not saying you have to be mean or reactive or punitive. But tell the truth. what we're learning it's what we're trying 
that's what we're trying absolutely so when when you have a kid that doesn't want to do pretty much anything you ask them you know go to the go you know i i want you to go to soccer practice no you know i want you to clean your room no and you know we're talking you know 12 13 years old what do you do with the stalemate like the when they just cross their arms and go no because you know you can only take away so many things you can right. only and you only have so much time because they always pick it like right before you need to go to work or you know there's a crunch time we don't have all day to, to sort out why you won't go to x y or z right right i mean the things that i say are for the moments when we're connecting and we have the chance to do that but when you're on the fly you can say that's a very interesting way of looking at it what do you think i'm going to say about the fact that you said no what do you think I'm going to do? What do you think will happen when you come home based on your no? What do you think, buddy? And then what, what, so what does that do to the kid? Well, the kid that you want to see what happens with the child. One of my children would get hysterical. The other one would sort of stand back and go, uh, I'll find out. I'm, I'm willing to risk it. And the other one would be like, no, mom, mom, no, don't do it. I'm like, okay, honey. I'm just saying, you need to do this before we leave. Okay, okay, I will. And the other one's like, what are you going to do? Right. I'm like, the what? I've got the what are you going to do about it, kid? Well, there's the tough way, and then there's the semi-tough way. The tough way is, well, when you come home, and I'm, you're not saying this to the child, but when you come home, there's something missing from your room that's important to you that... I paid for, including the electricity that it costs to run it. And as soon as you do what I asked you to do and you cooperate in a week, we'll see if you can have it back. Gotcha. I mean, I don't like taking things away from children, but at a teenager, that is a full-blown power struggle. And all you have to do is very calmly say, sweetheart, I bought that. I pay for the electricity. I'm asking you to do this. That's your responsibility. Is there anything about that you don't understand? I'm happy to give this back to you in a week when you can prove to me over the week that you actually get it. You keep yelling at me, son, that you are old enough and I should let you have some freedom. This is the beginning of me letting you have freedom. I have to trust that you can do it. Right. Right. Because that's, you know, the power, the, the power, where does the power struggle come from? Is it, is it a nature of age? Is it a male female thing? You know, is it a, just a biologic thing? Like, where does the power struggle start? Do you think? Oh my gosh. The power struggle starts the moment that the child realizes that he has any vote in this whatsoever. It starts on the changing table with a diaper. I don't want to have my poopy diaper changed right now. So I'm going to turn my body. What happens? Mommy turns the body. That's the beginning of a power struggle. It is, it, if you can look at it as not an opposition, if you can look at it as part of the process unfolding at that time, then you have a much better chance of not being so depleted emotionally by it, not taking it personally and not reacting to it. Say, oh, in your mind, in your mind, you're saying, hmm, we've gotten to that place. You want to try what it feels like to be a lawyer. Great. We're going to have an argument session. So if that's what you're doing at this age, then I'm going to change my verbiage and say, dude, make a case for it. 
prepare your case. I'll see you in 20 minutes. If you want to argue, I think you might want to be a lawyer. Go make a case for this. You make a good case, I'll consider it. There are millions of ways to play with this so the child becomes empowered instead of argumentative. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's funny. You, I remember you teaching me that make a case for it. And my kid came in with a PowerPoint making a case for pizza. <laughs> remember that? Because I said, I'm like, absolutely not. Like, you know, whatever. No. And then he came in. He's like, pizza's good for the whole family. You don't have to cook. There's no dishes. And, you know, it was really funny. And I did order the pizza because you made a good case for it. There you go. And 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 so he learned a huge lesson there that if he presents himself calmly, if he presents himself articulately, if he looks beyond his own interest and starts incorporating the interests of others, voila, life changes. That's what's called a learning moment. That skill will be able to be used for years. Right, to get what he wants. He looked at it from my point of view going, that's well, correct. She doesn't have to do dishes. Like, how can I make this easier? Like a win-win. That's just so brilliant. I, I'm so proud of you. Yes, the pizza, <laughs> the pizza episode. And it was a PowerPoint too, which was really I love that. I'm using case, that. Make a case for it. And, you know, he came back with his case for having pizza for dinner. I love it. I just love it. And so you can see it could be an argument of no, no, no get out of here, stop asking me. Instead, empower the child. Right, right. And what do you think I'm going to say? Or what do you, um, what do you think's going to happen also right. causes that child to look from your point of view? Correct. And, and now we're really, you know, in, in the new rules, the way I've reframed the rules in the 10 new yelling method system is really so that parents get an opportunity to articulate what the rules of the family are and show the child it's not just this incident, it's also the impact that you're having on other people as a result of breaking this rule. So I'm trying to reshift everything that we're doing in parenting so that it is more mindful, but you're not losing your firmness. You're not losing your authority. You're being very clear. You're empowering kids. You're connecting as you correct. I don't know what else anybody wants. Because that's what where we are as adults right now. Right. Right. It's yeah. I mean, it's amazing how um how these things can can erupt out of nowhere and then pass like a storm. Yes. And um, and there are many reasons why that's happening. And one of them for sure is everything that's happening in the world right now and our reaction to it and what they're hearing from their friends, from their own experience. I mean, how odd is it to go out in places and wonder if you're going to get COVID or get COVID again? Right. And why do we think that we're having a hard time with it and the kids aren't? Right. Because they wonder when's the next shoe going to drop? Right. But so am I. Right. We're all wondering that. And I think it's one of those things where there's not a whole lot of confidence except for with what my dad says. He's like, kids, you know, we've been through a war. And he goes, I was through World War II. Now he has that confidence. I don't because I haven't been through a war. I'm still going, wow, like what just happened? Yeah. And personality types and the order in which your kids are born and their ages with COVID all make for a different 
um experience for each one yeah we've accepted the fact that covid gives every single person a different experience and guess what that is a lesson that lesson is to show us that everyone has a different experience including our children right and so you know my husband is uh, fascinated with history and watches he just knows a ton about history and that's how he approached all of this with my kids he said look we've been through wars life has always been like this let's talk about the smallpox um and and all kinds of other uh epidemics i mean pandemics that have happened he said the world has always been like this he said so don't freak out let's sit and watch and wait and, you know, that was turned out to be really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that happened in my household with the pandemic, since my kids rely 99% on me, mm -hmm. their biggest fear was not that they got sick or their grandpa got sick. They were afraid I was going to get sick and then who's going to take care of them. Yes. And of course, I got cancer just to prove that I still could take care of them. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, the whole point is like it really rocked some kids security. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're still dealing with, um, you know, my mom, she's 86 and she hasn't really had any boosters. And so I'm the, I'm her primary caretaker. She's allergic to everything, which is why that has happened. Um, she's going to get a booster, hopefully with this next wave. But in the meantime, even though I'm fully vaccinated and fully boosted, I can't go anywhere because if I bring her COVID, I could kill her. Right. And that really rocked my world. It rocked my kids' world. And so they started realizing, I mean, so it's generational is what I'm saying. Sure. It's generational what we're revealing at this moment, but it's also generational what comes out of our mouth. Sure. So all of this has this incredible, especially for single parents. One of the things I'd love for single parents to do is to recognize that you have friends and you probably have other single parent friends and you being a single parent, tell me if this works or if it doesn't. But my idea was call your single parent friends and get in a circle where five days a week or three days a week or two days a week, the kids go to somebody else's house and you get some time out that you can absolutely count on for doctor's appointments and a spa visit or a nap or whatever you need for your um, self-care. That works very well when they're really young. Yeah. Once they get to the point like third grade where they don't, I don't like him. I don't like this one. You know, then mm -hmm. when they start forming their opinions on who, you know, when they're little, they're like, oh boy, play date. You know, we're going to go yeah. have popsicles and it's fun. About third grade, that stops working because you've got all these little personalities. And then they also have that thing where I don't like that parent. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like their house. Their house stinks. The dog pees all over yeah. everywhere. And it becomes almost a more difficult to get them there. And then when they come home, all they do is complain. So that strategy, I think, is outstanding up till about third grade. Well, so then from third grade on, what about sports? I mean, I know your kids are really great at it. My kids love baseball, um, but it wasn't always easy to get them to go to their um, lessons and, and, you know, for no. practice and stuff. But to try and think if there's any way that you can secure one thing, one afternoon, one two-hour slot, even if it's two hours, that's just for you. Because yeah. you, every one of us needs a way that we can recharge. And if we didn't learn that during the pandemic, I'm telling you, learn it now. 
One of the things that I have learned during the pandemic is I am a workaholic and Sandra knows I am, Um, but I've also been rebranding. And so there was a lot of reasons why I had to, but one morning I woke up with the inspiration that rest is part of work. Yes. And so it changed my life. Well, this is, you know, and I, I will admit, you know, I work from home and I run my own company. So I have much more fluidity than somebody who has to go to an office. But what I found was carving time out during my work day for my rest, because most of us work after hours, even though we don't intend to, and we have projects due so you have to work nights or weekends or whatever but what i would do is i i look at my work day and go is it possible for me to take a longer lunch than usual mm-hmm. and then i lay down and i take a nap you know i close my office door if i'm working at a company and i've laid on the floor but just make sure you you set your phone alarm because one company i laid on the floor i woke up and it's like seven eight o'clock at night and thank god nobody you know like opened the door and cracked me in the head but i slept on the floor for like six hours i was so exhausted because that's how you get you know you have you know and it wasn't my night to have the kids so i had planned to do a long night at the office and i just i was so tired sharon i just put and i remember putting my arms on my desk and putting my head down then i'm like i really need to stretch out and i just kind of slid to the floor and then i woke up and i'm like god what is that light did i die and it was the because you know, <laughs> i never woke up to fluorescent you know that those ugly fluorescent with yeah. the little, you know like they're like little grids <laughs> and I was laying there going, where am I? And then I look over and I see all these computer cables. I'm like, wow, I'm on the floor of my office. And I did. I slept like six hours. Oh, my God. You set your phone because that exhaustion is what I found was the hardest part of single parenting. Yes. And you still have to go to soccer. You still have to go to the banquet. You still have to do these things because when you are the, the, the responsible parent, you carry the weight of your kids' trust on you. You do. And the other thing that I've observed from your children, which I have to applaud, most people don't realize is her kids are absolutely amazing and very independent. And I would say that p- kids of single parents really graduate to that independence because there is a shared responsibility of welfare across the board for the whole family. I need to go to bed early. You need to go to bed. I mean, we all take care of each other because we love each other. Right, right. And I think, you know, you're right about that shared responsibility. And I want to close with this funny story because it's my one of my favorite single parent moments. I have boys. They're close in age. They like to have their friends for sleepovers and movie nights. And I, at first, was like, I don't want the extra kids, the extra mess. And then I thought, hmm, mess. So I let the kids have the sleepover. And in the morning, I'm like, okay, you collect the laundry, you sweep the floor because there's popcorn on there and the kids were probably eighth grade before they realized what I was doing but I was literally going if you want to sleep over then you have to help me clean the house like you have to help me keep 
you know, this clean. And, you know, if there's blankets that kids use, you know, you got to fold them up. So, and it, and it evolved in this great Friday night tradition where three or four boys would come over. They would watch movies all night and Batman and all these things. They would get up and one would say, Miss Sandra, can I help you clean the pool? Yes, go out and skim the pool. And we would get this all done. And they were so happy. And no parent ever figured it out until 10th grade when one of the kids calls me up and he goes, Miss Sandra, he goes, I told my mom I already knew how to do laundry because she said, you know what, so-and-so, you're in 10th grade. It's about time you're taking care of your own laundry. I want to teach you how to do it because you're going off to college in a couple years. He answered without thinking. He said, I already know how to sort, to pre-treat. I know how to fold. He goes, I know what goes in on high heat, what you have to hang up. And she, she was stunned. She's like, you've been doing this at Miss Sandra's house for years and you never offered in my house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when you have play dates over like that and you have a bunch of boys, let them help you. Because the other thing, Sharon, that they did, they were all proud of the work they did in my house. Yeah. And the other thing that happens, because I did the same thing in my house and they all knew, you know, you can come up, you can eat, you clean it up, you clean up your space, everything. What happened is they started coming over when they were emotionally upset and they weren't getting it from anybody else. So they started calling me mom. And so everybody would just walk in and go, mom, I'm here. I'm and I'm just like, okay, that's not my son's voice. I know. Okay. And <laughs> that's, that's what I do, call my bonus kids. That they are my bonus kids. And to this day, they're fully grown and married and they're still my bonus kids. And I love that. And that's exactly what happened. So connect as you're correcting, connect before, you know, you correct, but go to uh, proactiveparenting.net slash N-Y-M, no yell methods and get it and stop the stress. Oh, we love that. We love that. That's why you're my parenting guru, my parenting expert, my treasured friend. I want you guys to go to proactiveparenting.net. We'll be back next week or soon with another great episode. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. Want more information? Check us out at militarymomtalkradio.com or find us on iTunes for more than 500 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom Talk Radio.